July 19th, 2018, it's a lot from Pedro's show. Thank you. 
Bye for Peter Show. Happy Thursday. I don't remember doing a Thursday in a long time. Brother Matt's still in Croatia. He'll be back soon. I am not totally man-alone mode to hear in Pedro, though, because through the wonders of Skype, those engineers in Estonia, I got with Oh, great to be aboard. Great to be aboard. All aboard. <laughs> All aboard. This is Tommy James from the Blanks, and uh, what I want to do is uh, I first want to each of you guys go through your journey through music before you got to be the blanks. Okay? So who wants to go first, Tommy or Jamie? I'll go first, Jamie. Okay, and, and, and you guys are uh, talking to me from uh, Arizona, right? Phoenix, Arizona, okay. yes. Okay. So, uh, Jamie, what's your earliest music recollection? Ah, just, just a sec. Before you start, I should say we started the show off with Walkin', which is uh, John Coltrane's last tour with Miles Davis in Europe, 1960. And then Sissy Glue, uh, the new 7-inch from the Blanks. So, Janie, your, your earliest musical recollection. So my aunt gave me this guitar. It was carved out of wood, and it was stained like you would stain a table. And, and underneath various coats of lacquer and and polyurethane there was this rose decal and the guitar had three strings on it and i tuned it however which way and then i learned that chinese song that goes bum 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 and that's my first tune on the guitar i just thought about that today and then uh how old and then jamie how old uh, jamie how old were you uh i don't know 10 Okay, uh, so that's your earliest musical recollection. It wasn't like hearing the radio or some records or something. Well, yeah, I heard some records. I mean, I because uh, music I'm, don't mean, I had a, music don't mean it has to come from you. It's just music in general, like so. You know, because I'm curious about people's earliest recollection. Some people can hear remember back to like two years old. I can't. Oh no, my mom had Doors records and I liked her Doors records. She was a hippie. Okay, and but the only instrument in the house was this carved guitar from your grandma? My aunt, yeah. Or your aunt, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh so so your mom was more of a listener, not a player. Oh yeah, yeah, listener. And are we talking about uh Phoenix, Arizona? Bridgeport, Connecticut. Oh wow. A little bit east. <laughs> a little yeah. different winter. <laughs> okay, so yeah. uh, uh, so you took to this. Did you ever add three more Maybe strings? Because it was. Did you ever add three more strings? No, but I'm. No, I never had three strings. And you brought up how far east. Uh, Bridgeport and much I was going to use when you said how far east that is. My joke was maybe that's why I my first tune that I learned on it was Eastern like style, good Chinese. Point. Good point. Good point. Good point. So what about at school? Was there uh, like music classes or shit like that? There was a hippie named Mister Walkup who would come around with his guitar and do Cats in the Cradle. And all sorts of Jim Croce and shit. And then uh, he passed around little hand percussion, like 
like tambourines and little drums and sticks and things. And he would have us play with his sticks and his little drums while he would play his hippie songs on his acoustic guitar. <laughs> Do you remember the first record you bought for yourself? Ah, oh, wow. Uh, you know, I think it was, there was a Monster Mask Mash collection, not the tune Monster Mash, but it was a Ronco record that had, uh, that had Purple People Eater on it, and um, it had Does Your Chewing Gum Lose Its Flavor on the Bedpost Overnight and Big Bad John and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted that record. Okay, do you remember your first gig that you went to? Uh, uh, you know, I, I saw Black Sabbath. Connecticut? Uh, when I was... Yeah, New Haven Coliseum when I was probably 13. A bunch of us went down there, and there was this troll-looking man in the parking lot, and he came up, and he had long hair and a headband on, and he said uh, he said, do, he said to me and my few friends who were there, he said, do any of you munchkins do acid? <laughs> and, and we didn't at that time. Maybe if he caught us maybe a year or two later. <laughs> Okay, so uh, how long does this guitar stay with? Do you get another guitar eventually? Eventually, I ended up getting another guitar, yeah, and then I put a picture of Sid Barrett on it that I that I cut out of a magazine. All right. Now, did you do the thing like uh, later on join the school band or the marching band or shit like that? No, when I was 14, I had a hardcore band named Aborted Fetus. Oh, okay. And we, so I was going to ask that, if you had, like, the bedroom or the garage band kind of thing. Okay, Aborted Fetus. And who was in the band? Me and this guy, Al, and then this drummer guy, Tommy. And uh, we made songs, uh, you know, we, we were kind of... You know, without trying to be too arty or, or avant-garde or anything, we were playing hardcore music idiomatically, but it was a lot of it was improvised at the time. We would just talk about things going on at school and then scream while we were hitting the guitars real hard and the drum sets. Do you remember the, your first gig playing? Yeah, it was at the top of a barn, <laughs> uh, the top part where the hay goes. Yeah, loft. Yep. And then uh, there was a bunch of other kids getting high and smoking cigarettes. And uh, were you scared? Was it exciting? Yeah, I felt like I was playing bass at the time, and I felt like uh, I felt like I couldn't. Um, I felt like my hands were not my own anymore. Like I couldn't feel them. Like it, it felt different than when we practiced. Yeah, I'm curious. What kind of bass? Uh, I think it was a court. It was a court P copy. Yeah, I remember quartz. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was it really light or was it heavy? It was pretty heavy. And you know what's funny is I read a thing you said later about how you guys just tuned the instruments to where they felt good, to where the strings felt right. Well, yeah. We thought some people liked them loose, some people liked them tight. We thought you remember, the way the. Remember saying we thought that? The, we thought the way to get in tune was play down on the corner by Creedence. We didn't know that your down on the corner had to match the other guys down on the corner. <laughs> I remember saying that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, we were pretty stupid. Yeah, so I read that. I read that years later, and that was exactly where we were coming from. Okay. We just wanted this. Yeah, we wanted the strings to feel good. Jamie, we were in parallel universes. Yeah. What year are we talking around? For me, 85. Okay. So a little after me and D. Boom. Yep. Maybe about 13 years. but There you go. But it shows you the only thing new is you finding out about it, right? Uh, that's that's what, right. That's really interesting. So, so what happened with the aborted fetus? Uh, we turned we turned into the cursed, which was a different uh, I don't know, kind of went a different direction. And then I went to rehab and moved. Okay, let's get to uh, Tommy's story. Tommy, no, let's play yeah, some well, music first. I want to play this white baby. Okay.
ישבנו תחת גשר אבן מקומר והסתתרנו מפני הגשר. ניסע לאמסטרדם, אמר ניר, ונעשן את כל הכסף שנשאר. ומה אז? שאלתי. נחזור הביתה, אמר. תירשם לאוניברסיטה ותלמד ספרות. הגיע הזמן. יולי היה רע במיוחד. לפתע הפסקנו להבין מה אנחנו עושים פה, ואיך מתגעגעים למשהו שיכול לפצוע אותך מבלי להתכוון. שם, תחת הגשר, הפסדנו הכל, אבל הרווחנו את האפשרות להגיד את הדברים כפי שהם, כפי ששמענו אותם בתחילת הדרך. וזה היה מספיק לאותו רגע, לאותו הרגע בלבד.
talking horses. It is the skaters for sure on those oval courses. Oh, I'm taking it all on a Saturday night, just watching the skaters as they roll and fight. That is why I love the derby. Sweeping around the oval, making the score, dodging the blockers, the jammer gets more. I love the action as they all tear around. Right next to the tracks is where I'll be found. That's why I love the derby. Jammers and blockers finding it out. Watching the derby is a great night out. To Bring it around and bring up the score. All the rest and the action added the more. That's why I love the Derby. Watch for Pedro Show. Yep, that was White Baby from the Blanks, the other side of the 7-inch. Carla Boslow chaffed out with What Is It, Baby? Uh, Anthems of the Void with Of the Purple Lotus Magnificent. Farther south, we sat below an arched uh, Ishkabibble with Ice Cream Harmonica. That's a father and son team. Uh, Cleveland Steamers, Make Believe Girl, finally Joe Brewer. I love the Derby. So, Tommy, <clears throat> what's your earliest musical recollection? Uh, I remember my parents playing Elvis Presley in our house in West Phoenix and um, them drinking and dancing uh, to the music. And by them dancing to it, it kind of you know, made me realize that, you know, that it made people happy, at least at that time. I was probably... I don't know, six years old or something, living in West Phoenix. And uh, it was definitely Elvis, because I can remember it to this day. Uh, and uh, they played a lot of the Elvis stuff in the house. But that was the earliest one I can remember, is Elvis Presley. And uh, like I said, the reason it stuck in my head is because they were, like, dancing together, you know, drinking and dancing. And, and we had an uncle in the house that was a living, and he would smoke, you know, and he'd be sitting there nodding his head and, you know, getting into the Elvis. So that was my earliest recollection of anything musical that kind of had an impact on me anyways. Uh, Tommy, uh, were they listeners or did they have some instruments in the house? Uh, You know, we had instruments in the house, yeah, but they were not uh, musicians, no. I mean, we had guitars that I plucked around on, uh, you know, little uh, six-string acoustic guitars, and uh, and I I messed around with them, but none of them were musicians, so to speak. Nobody from uh, my... Uh, intermittent family were musicians. Uh, the outside family, uh, I have some, but nobody in the house now. All listeners. How'd the guitar get there? 
Uh, you know, my mom would pick shit up at like garage sales and stuff all the time just to kind of keep the groove around. And, uh, that thing would show up, you know, in the backyard on some lawn chairs while people were pounding beer and, uh, either listening to Tejano country, Elvis, whatever, and people would pluck on it. And then I started playing around with it and, you know, messing with it, but I never picked it up, uh, as an instrument and learned how to play a guitar. But yeah, that, I mean, there's all kinds of shit, maracas, you know, we had all that we had a, actually, a, you know, a decent amount of little things around the house, but nobody was a chingaderas. Yeah, chingaderas, man. A lot of chingaderas. I mean, a lot of them, you know. I mean, I, I you know, but those memories of that shit, you know, that's what kind of that that that's all part of it, you know. Absolutely. I mean, that's why I get into this. Yeah. Shit. Uh, Tommy, you remember the first record you bought for yourself? The very first record I ever bought for myself was an Elton John record, and I was like probably 10. I remember buying it at Super X on uh, 43rd Avenue in Bethany Home in Phoenix, and they, back then they were like 69 cents, you know, and I can remember grabbing that thing uh, and taking it home. I had a shitty little uh, record player. It was probably even a realistic, you know, something from Radio Shack. Radio Shack. And, yeah, and it was a setup, you know, my mom and dad had got for my sisters we shared a bedroom back then you know so i had two sisters older than me and uh and i was on like a little single bed and they shared the bed and that was kind of my breakthrough with jam and elton john and then they started bringing shit in the house you know like the knack and these top 40 i got into bondy a little later and that kind of like started cutting some kind of pop stuff and i like that kind of Thing, were, but that's uh, the first record I ever bought, man, was Elton John. They were, old, they were older sisters. Single. They were older sisters, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're older. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember the first gig you went oh, to, Tommy? I, yeah, it was a trip. It was, you know, a lot of cutouts. I can't hear you. The phone, the fucking shit is cutting out. You can't move around. You got to stay still, and don't be inside the car, please. All right, you. I'm not in the car. Are you with me now? What? I can hear you. Okay. Anyways, uh, first gig. Yeah, it was. Uh, I went with a kid that was in my neighborhood whose dad was a music editor for the Arizona Republic, and we had these handwritten tickets, and we ended up going to Devo in 1981 and they dropped us off. I had never even heard of them or anything, never saw them in my life or anything. Ended up smoking my first joint that night with this kid and we saw Devo and it was fucking insane just seeing the whole, it was the new traditionalist tour and they had a screen in the background with like vibrators and shit on it and all this like really bizarre stuff and they were on these little like, uh, you know, treadmill kind of things, man. And it, it blew my fucking mind. I mean, and then, and, and then the, right after that, you know, I saw like Rush or something, you know, like a week later. So it was completely the opposite. But that was the first thing I ever saw. How old that was were even you, remote Tommy? Close. Tommy, how old were you? Uh, how old am I or was I? How old were you when you saw the gig? Tommy? I was, I was, I was 13 years old. Yeah, 13 years old. We got dropped off. Now, there what about school, Tommy? What about school? Did you have any like classes and music? You know, we, we, the school I went to was kind of everything in one in West Phoenix. You know what I mean? They, they, they did all that shit in one classroom. And all I remember, man, was getting these clarinets that were dipped in a coffee can that had some kind of like fucking Lysol or some shit on it that would kill the germs where the mouthpiece was at. Yeah, sure. And, uh, yeah, and we'd be noodling on those little things, you know, trying to fucking blow some kind of tune through it. But it just didn't resonate with me, you know? Like, honestly, man, like playing music is not 
like, you know, obviously I love music. I have a passion for it and I dig all types of it, but I never really got into an instrument. But yeah, we were kind of force fed to, to play these little, you know, fucking uh, clarinets or whatever they were, those little flutes. And uh, that's my earliest recollection of playing something other than the guitar in the house was them telling us to play these flutes that had this shitty taste on the tip of the mouth, you know? You mean clarinet? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. What what about the the the, the garage band or did you make bands with kids at school? Yeah, I mean, I well, I dropped out of school in the seventh grade and then carved my path in you know the punk culture and all that shit and then got into a, a hardcore was, band. Like, yeah, Amy what was did. your first punk band, Tommy? Uh, we were called Socially Violent Children first. We started that in uh, nineteen eighty. Uh, four, I think it was like '84 or something like that. We never gigged that one, but the same lineup, we changed it to Basket Case, and we played two live shows. Uh, but I was the drummer of that band. I started playing around with how drums. Did you get, yeah, how'd you get on the drums, Tommy? Uh, you know, I I, I like that man. I was watching. I got influenced by Mike Spearsold out here from Bam Bam by going to the punk rock gigs, yeah. and just was watching him. And I wanted that. You know what I mean? I wanted to fucking do that shit. And he was how, real influential on a lot of people did, how here. How did you get your first kit? Uh, it was a Rogers uh, kit that I actually bought from the drummer that used to play for the Beans here in Arizona. Uh, it's slipping me right now, man. But he actually had a, an ad in, in the paper, and we went out to his house. And oddly, I ended up taking lessons from him at Milano Music later on in, in the early, you know, the 83, 84 or whatever, and took a few lessons from him. But I just I couldn't seem to understand, you know, like when someone's teaching me, you know. So my 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 whole approach to it was just to play one fucking beat, you know, and that's pretty much the drill. You know, I'd be hammering on those hi-hats and hitting that snare and kicking that tom, and there was no fills, you know, maybe an occasional crash or something, but that was kind of my go-to, you know, but that was my first kit. It was kind a light like, one. Kind of like Tommy Ramone. Well, I would say, yeah, that's kind of it right there. <laughs> I mean, it was a go-to beat that kind of filled in all the tunes, you know, so... Sure. Uh, but yeah, we ended up playing two live shows as Basket Case. In 84, we played, uh, opened up for Ill Repute, and then uh, at, at a place called Knights of Pythias, and then we played another gig. I played that, uh, Pat. Played YouTube gig. Yeah, I yeah, oh, yeah. I, I saw you guys there. I remember yeah. it well. Do you, yeah. uh, do you remember that first gig? What was it like for you, Tommy? Uh, you know, I was, I was fucked up. I was a young kid, kind of into a lot of weird shit, you know, yeah. drugs, all that kind of crap. And I didn't really have fear or anything, but uh, I couldn't even finish the set at Knights of Pythias. My buddy Mike Roper came, or Brett Roper, came up and kind of finished the last two songs because I was pretty blown out, you know. So <laughs> that uh, happens. Yeah. It happens. Maybe you learn from. Yeah, it. yeah. Look, look, Tommy, Tommy, Jamie, Tommy, Jamie, Jamie, we're at the I mean? end of the first hour of the July nineteenth, two thousand eighteen edition of the Live for Pedro Show. Hold tight for our two special guests, the Blanks. July 19th, 2018, it's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show.
son or daughter.
要尝到路程，超级出身方便面里面的秘密，只有我们懂得
for Pedro Show. We started the second hour off with uh, Grex doing Bad Cop. Grex was on last week. Incredible guitar man. Uh, Instituto. Instituto. No. With Off-Road. That's from Cecilia. Huh? Lucy Lee, these three years out of England. I want to sing you a song from the Top Four Circus by the Top Four Circus out of China. I'm guided by voices. Dayton, Ohio. With space now. You guys are making some weird noises over there. So, Tommy Jane. Wow. Somebody's flushing the toilet or what? Jamie, Tommy. Yeah, I'm here. What's up, what? Well, I'm trying to do an interview with you. Okay. I'm on. Okay, I want to see, I want to hear the story of the, how the blanks got together. Well, this is Jamie. I was doing a an Exotica record for Tommy's label, and Chris Kirkwood was producing it. And he introduced me and Tommy, and then uh, we were doing a record, of, like a Martin Denny kind of record and because in my group is chris's uh chris's girlfriend ruth and she, she plays bass in my group and and uh chris wanted to produce the record so he brought us to slope records which is tommy's label very gracious of him and then we were making our weird record with a guy named eddie detroit and then on the percussion and stuff and a couple other people and then uh Tommy and I just hit it off, and then he was like, he was like, I want to start writing some tunes, make my own group, he said. And I said, okay, I'll help you. And then we sat down with the spiral notebook full of his lyrics and uh, wrote a bunch of tunes just real quick, um, punk tunes. And then we just banged them into shape and said, okay. We pretty much got all of our tunes, like, in, you know, in a couple sessions, and then, uh, and now we're just you know recording them and putting them out there. What is a uh, what does the word punk mean to you? To to me, it means uh, American bands from '65 to '67, influenced by the British invasion. So the Count Five, the Seeds, this the uh, you know uh, the question mark and the Mysterians and stuff. But I know that I know that it came to mean things like, of course, the Stooges and the MC5 and then the Ramones and the Dictators and then, you know, everything out of L.A. and then everything out of England and things. So I guess critically, if I had to pinpoint it down to what it originally what the term means, I guess I'd I'd call on people like Greg Shaw, Lester Bangs, Robert Criscow and people like that. Okay. Where'd you get the name Blanks? I came up with the name Blanks, and they just put a Z on it. You know, coming from Arizona, there's a couple influential bands that came out of here, and obviously Z's nothing novel on the end of your uh, name, you know, in 7S, but we had the Brains, you know, and then we had Feeders, you know, and they all kind of used that Z. But the actual name Blanks, I was going around in my head of all these ideas, you know, like what are we going to call ourselves and it all kind of revolved around this little tune that we came up with, White Baby, about me being adopted and shit. 
And a lot of it was, you know, these identity things as a kid and having the last name Lopez and being like, hey, you don't look like a Lopez, you know what I mean? Because I wasn't like a Mexican brown kid. And I kind of just arrived at the name being like, we're going to be the fucking blanks with a Z and all of us will be a blank. You know what I mean? So whether that, you know, kind of comes to, uh, you know, that you can kind of get it, it was just like what happened. You know what I mean? Like we named it that with but putting the Z on it because there was obviously bands that had it with an S. But, you know, that's how it kind of happened, you know, and then we just went for it from there, you know. Interesting. Here, I want to play uh, some music.
Why for Pedro Show? Uh, yeah, you just heard Black Lips doing Can't Hold On one. <laughs> Number one. Maybe they have two versions, I don't know. Before that was Stretch Wolven, something new from uh, Scott Amadola and Nels Klein, Substitute Angels. Disorder with In Line, ahead of that. Don Dalton with Humor Me. Dandy Don Dalton learned in the bass there and started all off with Unit F with Blue Flag. So we're talking about a kind of identity stuff here uh, off air, and uh, because uh, Tommy's got kind of interesting background, you want you want to tell Tommy? Uh, well, going back into where we were at off the air, and I was just saying I was adopted in 1969 by you know a, an American Mexican family here, and uh, at that time, you know. All right. Well, if you can hear me here, I, I, I think you left off somewhere about. Uh, you said you got you adopted know, in 1969 by a Mexican American family there in Arizona, and something about the kids at that time. Yeah, well, well, a little later. I mean, obviously, I was born, you know, in '69, and by the time I got in the school system and shit, I never had met any white kid with a Mexican last name, you know, that was adopted and raised, you know, uh, in, in a Mexican household or Chicano or you know whatever we want to call it. But uh, yeah, so a lot of that shit was. Uh, interesting and, and, and it kind of uh, kind of wears on you as a kid, you know, because you start realizing how ruthless all these little fuckers are that just want to get up in your shit and call you out for your, uh, you know, your background. But um, anyways, I mean, that was a, a weird place to sit at the time. There wasn't a lot of blended families around in Phoenix that I knew of, especially with white kids coming up with Mexicans. And, uh, and, 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 you know, it follows you in your adult life too, you know, but obviously today, you know, we have a, a, a lot more open of a blend funded family society because it's going on everywhere but yeah arizona 1969 coming up in that shit yeah, it wasn't happening and that's you know? what what came to my mind when you told me that was william golden's lord of the flies book it's a small book people and in fact there was an econo movie made in the early 60s with uh kids that weren't even actors and it's about a plane they're getting some kids away because of the second war and the bombing and shit in england and the pilot, the plane crashes. The pilot gets killed, so it's only kids on this island. And they, uh, interesting the way they <laughs> organize themselves, because you would think yeah. it's adults that cause all the problems, but uh, maybe it's a human thing. But that's interesting. And, and like the B side of the single, "White Baby," right? Well, that's the A side actually. And oops, the, and oops the, sorry. It, it's self-titled, <laughs> a, yeah, self-titled A side. But yeah, that's that's the first tune that me and. Uh, Jamie carved out, you know, around that, you know, it's a little bit of a quirky take on my coming up, uh, being a white kid with a Mexican family, but you know, uh, so blanks, you know, it's, it's not, in a way blanks yeah. started off as a, as a recording project. Yeah. And it still kind of is currently, you know, at the moment, I mean, I guess everything kind of comes a strategy, you know, when you're asking Jamie what punk is, you know, yeah. to me, punk is an attitude and kind of just a way of being disruptive and it yeah. can be positive in your disruption or whatever, you know, but uh, I think our whole approach to this thing is to carve out a set, put the music out there, maybe promote it a little bit and then uh, start playing this set live, but probably not going to even bring it to like 2019. We're just kind of up in our heads about bringing the music, you know, we, we kind of know what we're doing with it. In terms of what we want to do, whether people dig it or not, that's to be determined. You know, it's all subjective from there. But um, that's the, that's the idea. You know, it's not currently a live act at the moment. It's a it's a recording project. You know, with me and him. You know, sitting here carving out these little tunes and 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 dropping them on uh, seven inches. You know, we're gonna put out a series of seven inches. Just do them like we are, like that one you have right there. Right, right. And Chris Kirkwood's involved. 
He is, you know. We've known Chris a long time. I mean, he's, he did the bit. first. I've known him a little bit too, and he's beautiful. I love yeah, him. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously, I, I, I know that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. He's he's involved. He, he's he's uh was on those first, the first two se- uh, seven inches we're putting out. The one you got there, and the second one coming up in August. Uh, he produced all those tunes. Yep. Uh, so so what? Like you and uh, Jamie, you get together. Uh, do you, you get the words first, and then music comes to that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I write the tunes, you know, and uh, they're, they're all kind of, uh, I guess you could say, uh, in that vein, you know. There's nothing that's too uh, serious, but everything kind of dabbles in, in something like that area. And then, uh, yeah, he kind of carves his way around the arrangement, uh, and we sit there and uh, go back and forth, you know, until we get it where we want it to be. But, yeah, that's how we've been doing it. Now, do you work it out in the studio? Like, Chris, Chris is in the studio, right? Yeah, but on you know on those first tunes, uh, me and him had written them at his house with okay. the lyrics, and then there there was some uh, some things that you know we made adjustments on in the studio. But you know going forward, we pretty much have everything arranged, you know, ready for studio. We did some sessions that we already kind of like had them put together. But yeah, obviously that was just getting into it, so we we were kind of uh, making some changes in the studio. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like fleshing them out more, actually uh, giving birth to them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Giving birth to them. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's kind of. And I what's mean, the it's, stu- it's a trip? I mean, uh, today, Tommy, know? what studio have you, have you guys been working out of? Uh, those sessions that you got right there were at Premier Studio in uh, Phoenix. With uh, uh, the engineer was Jeremy Parker, and then Chris was producing. Uh, so that's where we threw those sessions down at, uh, and there was four tunes that came out of that, uh, out of those sessions. Okay, uh, interesting. Uh, you think of albums down the line, or are you just going to be releasing a seven inch? You know, I had this weird idea, man, I, and I don't know, you know, if it's really novel or anything, but I think everything's kind of just notable on how it's put out there. You know, I, I obviously, you know, I I got some other shit going on besides music, and a lot of stuff is just kind of like how you do it you know so i think like putting seven inches out uh as a collection where we're trying to keep the tunes all kind of like in the two and a half minute range uh that way we can cut you know uh, the, the the nine aside for an lp we're going to take basically nine eps and then kind of brady bunch style put a grid on the front of all the artwork you know and then do <laughs> the tunes you know a side b side uh so it kind of gives us a little bit of a you know, chum in the water to get people to know where we're at with the music instead of making them, you know, commit to a whole record and get in our heads, you know what I mean? Sure, so, sure. I think that's a great idea. Look, we're at the end of the second hour, July 19th, 2018 edition of the Watt Pedro Show. Tommy and Jamie from the Blanks. Hold up tight for hour three. July 19th, 2018. It's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro Show.
ladies and gentlemen, I would like to welcome you back for another edition of The Soul. This time, it's The Soul of the Bone.
lot from Pedro Show. We started the third hour off with the brand new from Alex Zhang Huntai. People uh, know him from his old band Dirty Beaches. Divine Weight, the title tune. And then the Solden Bones with Don't Trust Me. The Bones has got a singer, Billy Bones. He's from The Victims, if you know the old Hollywood punk scene. There was an EP with uh, Skulls. He was in The Skulls. Uh, the Eyes, which had the bass player, uh, who turned into Go-Go's, and the drummer became the ex-drummer. And then Controllers, doing the other neutron bomb, because the weirdos had their own neutron bomb. <laughs> Funny thing, a little history there. So, uh, so then we had, uh, finally, SS Space Systems with Sujen, Sugen Chakure. Um, people, um, Tommy's got a label called Slope Records. You might have no noticed that he mentioned some of that. I want to know the story behind it. Tommy? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, so, yeah, Slope Records uh, kind of came about on a guy's... Uh, porch a friend of mine in austin texas it used to be in a hardcore band here in 87 uh called insurrection you know they're kind of like late scene of hardcore but anyways they were tempe locals we were all from downtown tempe so i stayed friends with him and shit and went out there to visit him and uh he had this old recording you know and i wanted to do something you know i got sober was looking for an outlet and shit for something just to kind of get high on you know naturally so I was like, fuck it, I'm going to go for it and just start, you know, kind of archiving some shit from, uh, you know, from early. Yeah. And, you know, and kind of my cutoff would be 80s. But anyways, that was the initial model, you know, and I wasn't getting into this to make any money at all. I just was looking for a project and something fun to do. So that's how it started. Uh, realized about, you know, we, you know, after we did that, we went into some pretty cool projects, started getting in with some of the seminal people in town, you know, with with Chris and Dan Clark and Don Bowles, and we put together that Exterminators project. Yeah, great uh, record, and, great and, record. Yeah, man, we had a lot of fun doing that, and obviously it was a cool thing to do and, and, and uh, you know, lay down that thing that never got recorded. So that's kind of like was really the, the, the point where I started going, well, fuck, it takes a lot of money, man, to put money into a label, and there's really no dough in it, you know, and the passion was still there, but I just started dumping like tons of dough into it. And uh, it, it, it's evolved to the point now, you know, where um, it's not making money, so to speak, but the passion's there. And, and my latest deal in it is that we're kind of going into a DIY approach uh, with touring buses. Um, and basically, I bought these like 35 foot buses that, you know, they're like mid duty Detroit diesel engine buses that are 40 passenger. And I'm stripping them, welding bunks up in them. And uh, they've got, you know, they've got full lounges in them, TV, Internet, the whole shit. And we're kind of like, you know, getting bands from Europe to come over here and uh, we're taking the exploited out. Uh, it's like the Lyft or Uber of mid-level touring. You know what I mean? It's got everything. in it. It's got a pisser in there. It's got a place for the merch, the gear bay. They're actually pretty nice. And I mean, I, I'm kind of a, a weird DIY guy, so I can take shit, you know, and repurpose it. And they've come out really cool. So Slope Records still exist to put music out and still has the, the core values that it did around, you know, the whole culture that I came out of and representing Phoenix, but we're kind of reaching out a little bit and creating a way to, to keep it alive, you know? So uh, that whole thing I was telling you about, there's three of those buses now, uh, two 35 footers and one 25 footer. And we're about ready to do like a little, you know, a little release press release, kind of tell people what we're doing, but it's, it's primarily going to be backline merch and a driver when you come from, you know, wherever, you know, I mean, some people in the States might want to use it too, but that's kind of a, you know, where it's gone in terms of the label, you know, label exists to put music out, but as you know, uh, it is definitely not easy putting out wax. And then, you know, it's not like you're going to turn a profit on it. You do it for love and, and that's, that's still there, but, you know, I had to figure out a way to kind of 
carve a path that would make this thing kind of run itself, and that's kind of the next level what we're trying to do with it right now. Well, what about this, Tommy? You, you make the records, and then when those cats go out on tour, that's when they can sling it. Yeah, well, we've been doing a little bit of that, and we got one going on right now in October, but it's taken me a while to kind of carve that model, you know what I mean? Because sure. I did it once, and I kind of funded it, you know what I mean? And we got a van, and I went with these dudes. I went out like 10 days on the road with them, and I was like, fuck this, man. You got to get these hotels, and that was eating us up. And yeah. granted, there's probably ways of doing the couch thing, you know, with people, but we didn't have that option this time. Ended up spending like three grand on the hotels, and I'm like, dude, I'm going to buy a bus, strip it, you know, do it up. And uh, anyway, so to answer your question, that is what's going on. We got the Freeze, you know, the old Boston hardcore band. Yeah, the Freeze, they've I kind think, of yeah, I they're they here Cape in Cod. Well, I actually think they were Cape Cod. Yeah, well, they're, you're right. They're Cape Cod. Yes, they're Cape Cod. And Cliffhangers here in Phoenix with with a new lineup, and we're getting ready to do a a record with Bill Close is going to be on it. You know, oh, obviously great. the guy created the yeah. And then so there's that, and then we're putting them out on the road in October for a full tour with another one of the bands that's going to be opening up for them called the Lion Cutters. So to go back to your thing, yeah, that's it. You know, we're doing a deal now where we're going to get their music out there, get their merch out there, and I provide them the bus and the driver included in my uh, deal with them. You know what I mean? Like, it's that's kind of like the deal. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where it's at right now. You Tommy, know I mean? didn't it's, you do something with Mike from uh, JFA? No, uh-uh. What was that record? The fa uh, Fathers? A uh, Founded Fathers? Oh, oh, sorry, Mike. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. Michael Cornelius. Yes. Yeah, Michael, sorry. Yeah, oh, yeah. I put the Father Figures record out called Heavy Lifting. Yeah, and they actually want to do some touring, too. I thought that was a yeah. I love that record, man. It's a great record, man. It's, it's a really great record. You know, a lot of the stuff, when you start a label, and I'm sure you know way more about this shit than I do, but... You know, learning everything on this journey, you find out there's a lot of ways to, to, to kind of get the music out there. And so it's been kind of a process just learning how to release a record and get some attention with it. And so, you know, some of those records are going to have to get kind of reintroduced, so to speak, so that people could be aware of them, you know. But, well, yeah, I it's think, a great record. I, I think touring is a great way. In fact, in the old days, you actually put out records to promote your tours. You didn't tour to promote records. <laughs> yeah. If you want well, to know. Yeah. Hey, Tommy, where can people find you? Uh, stuff about Slope Records on the internet. Yeah, just sloperecords.com. I mean, if you're into, like, you know, a vinyl value, you maybe hit up Discogs. You know, we offer a little better deal through Discogs. Um, that's all kind of DIY run. You know, our website probably has a little bit more pricey shit on there. But, yeah, sloperecords.com. And then uh, if you want to check out some of the records that are on the catalog, just go to our Discogs page, and you can see the, the, the wax that we've already released to date. That's bitching. Here, let's play some more music.
music for this edition, people. Uh, the Tide Recedes by Julie Slick. Then Mod Vi- Some stuff from Australia here. Mod Vigil with Free Range, Drunk Mums, Big Titty Trippin', uh, Amo and the Sniffers with Stole My Push Bike, and then uh, out of Baltimore, uh, one, All That Glitters is Mold by uh, uh, Mold Omen uh, Demo. And um, and then finally, Country Style by Andrea Roden. Uh, 
Jamie, you first. All you through your journey in music, what, what advice would you give a young person? I would say go out and do, uh, what, music advice? <laughs> you know, this whole trip we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say uh I would say go out and uh and um you know listen to as much stuff as possible figure out what you like don't worry about what other people like and then if you feel like playing music pick it up for a few years and um you know if you find I mean you find maybe you're playing for 5 or 6 years and and uh it's not going anywhere you still got time to quit you can hang it up anytime you want go do something else get a real job <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's good stuff. What about you, Tommy? Same question. Oh, oh man, I don't know. I'll be just blunt with it, you know. Just uh, have that's fun good. with it. Go against the grain, you know. It's a journey. I mean, no matter what you do in it, man, you're gonna have ups and downs in it, you know. I'm sure a lot of people get into it because they want to try and be famous and get liked and all that shit. But yeah, like we said before, you know, it's 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 a rough road no matter what you do, and you got to remember why you're doing it. So at first, if you're having fun with it, that's all that fucking matters, you know. I mean, it really does. That's it. Yeah, I mean, what you both saying means a lot to me, and I think it, it, it'd be good for someone getting into it to hear from cats. And you know what's great, too? It's kind of your second wind, right? Since when you were boys with the hardcore, and now a little down the road, a little less younger. I think yeah. it's bitching. And uh, for me, I, I really uh, admire this kind of a kind of thing, because, you know, you could get cynical. Like um, uh, Jamie was saying, hang it up. But you didn't hang it up. And uh, No. Yeah, that's fucking happened. And uh, if you do, you do. But if you don't, there's something about that, too. I want to thank you both so much for being on the show. But big honor for me. Thank you. And and I, I can't wait till you do the Brady Bunch grid on the front and deliver the album, too. But I'll take it in the pieces as it comes. Please uh, let me get it as it is produced. Right on, Watt. Thanks okay. for having us today. It's been the uh, July 19, 2018 edition of the Watt from Pedro Show. People, keep your powder dry. <laughs>